market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. Any political party in this chamber that was confident in their arguments around independence would not be desperate to deny the people of Scotland the right to make that choice. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's political podcast. My name's Conor Matcher, I am the Deputy Political Editor at the paper, and with me, as per usual, is our Political Editor, Alistair Grant. Alistair, hello, welcome, second week back after the baby, are you still... Struggling to sleep or...? Um, yeah, sleep is still on? an issue. Second week back and the news is as relentless as ever. Yes, politics. We, were, we were complaining actually earlier today, I think, and yesterday in the Holyrood press corridor that it was a quiet week of, of news. I, I wasn't complaining. Corridor. Well, you weren't here. <laughs> <laughs> I was uh, sitting at home feeling quite happy about that. But inevitably, that's completely changed today with the biggest story, which we'll, we'll probably dedicate this in the entire episode of this podcast to, which is the resignation or the imminent resignation of uh, Ian Blackford as Westminster leader of the SNP. This has been rumbling on for a couple of weeks now since the first initial report of a coup um, involving uh, Stephen Flynn, the Aberdeen South MP, 2019 intake. But he did today, Ian Blackford, release a statement talking about his decision to step down from the role at the AGM of the MPs next week. Take us through what he said, what we know, and what might happen next. (laughs) Just a few questions, nothing huge. Yeah, so I think, as you were saying, this was not unexpected, but I think still a bit of a surprise at this drop today. It did seem a bit out of the blue. But as you're saying, there have been kind of rumours. To be honest, there's been rumours for, for more than just a couple of weeks that Ian Blackford was on his way out or kind of considering his position. There was a lot of talk about him being even just a little bit fed up and kind of feeling himself that it was potentially time to move on. It's been rumbling on for a while. And then a couple of weeks ago, not to name drop another newspaper, but The Times had a story about Stephen Flynn, as you say, um, one of the kind of newer intake of SNP MPs who fancied his chances at the top job. Uh, whether or not it was a coup or not, we probably don't really need to get into. But he certainly had that position in mind. And that was a kind of story. I think St- Stephen Flynn at the time distanced himself from it a little bit. Mm. But then here we are a couple of weeks on. And as you say, just literally about 20 minutes to FMQs today. So we're re- recording this on a Thursday. FMQs takes place about uh, midday, exactly. Yeah. And at about 22.12, there was a statement from the SNP released from Ian Blackford basically saying that he will not be re-standing as leader of the Westminster Group at the AGM, which due to take place on Tuesday next week. He was saying that, you know, after more than five years, it's time for fresh leadership, heading towards a general election, heading towards the next stage, and as he puts it, winning Scottish independence. And it was immediately following that, there's a statement from Nicola Sturgeon as well. And I think it does mark a bit of a moment for the SNP. Five years is a long time. Uh, Ian Blackford is quite well known. He's obviously well known through PMQs, his performances at Prime Minister's Questions. He does have his critics in terms of his performances at PMQs. Not everyone admires his style, his kind of way of going about things. He certainly has his critics within the Commons, as you can tell every time he stands up, people kind of make comments and groan loudly and it's all very theatrical. He also, I think it's worth pointing out, uh, Joanna Cherry, the SNP MP, 
very high profile, but it's safe to say not close to the leadership of the SNP and quite a kind of high profile foreign in the side of Nicola Sturgeon and the SNP leadership, tweeted shortly after this news broke that I'm pleased to hear this, which is maybe a bit of a slap in the face for Ian Blackford. Um, she says it's time for fresh, fresh leadership, tolerance of debate and diverse viewpoints. And that's obviously a reference to her own kind of disagreements with the party, not least on issues such as gender, gender reform, gender recognition act reform. So yeah, I think, I think one of the main questions is where we go from here. And I'd be interested to hear your views on that. Obviously by PMQs next week, we'll presumably have a new SNP Westminster leader. And it seems like it'll be Stephen Flynn. Mm. Certainly talking to some SNP figures today to try and get an understanding of what's gone on. I think he, he's, he's, he's a clear favourite. I think he, to suggest that he won't win on Tuesday is probably just, you know, people who might have their own aspirations suggesting that they'll get there. But it sounds like he's very much in, yeah. in poll position. Well, some insider is basically saying that it's highly unlikely anyone like, else yeah. will, will stand, to be honest. So it might not even be a competition. Exactly. There's no names coming forward for second or third place, for example. But you never know. In all of these internal democracies, you end up with uh, the sort of people like Tommy Shepard, actually, in, uh, in 2015, um, who, who, sorry, 2017, who put himself forward and then dropped out because he didn't have any votes. You know, that was Blackford's first proper leadership election within the group. But I, I, th I think, and I've written about this today, and, you know, you at home listening can go and read that analysis, but I think it's, when this sort of thing happens, particularly with a party that's actually quite small in Westminster, you know, they've got 59, I think, MPs at the minute, something along those lines. It's not a 350-seat party where you can really change the, the, the kind of complexion of your front bench easily, you know, and, and relatively quickly. You know, you look at the Conservative Party and they've seemed to modernise relatively easily without people actually noticing that certain old figures have gone. I think the fact that Blackford's there now demonstrates that, you know, it's a real change of the guard. I think it's the first change of the guard within any senior SNP role for five years since Angus Robertson had to step down after the election. And I think it's the beginning of the end, to an extent, of the Sturgeon era, if you like. That kind of era of, you know, Nicola Sturgeon and Ian Blackford being the two most recognisable faces of the independence movement, not only to people in Scotland, but to people in England, you know, in the rest of the United Kingdom. Ian Blackford constantly on TV, you know, talking about Scottish independence. He is arguably, you know, the, the most recognisable voice for English, you know, voters and in the English public, public other than Nicola Sturgeon on the topic. So it's a big challenge for them to go forward. It's a generational shift, I think, which maybe reflects where the party's going in general. Stephen Flynn's young. I think he's in his early 30s. Um, he was a 2019 intake MSP. He's only been in the job three years. It's going to be a steep learning curve. It's a lot of work. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how he, how he copes with it. Yeah, I think it is a generational shift. It's it's a, it is a real moment for them. As you say, there's not really been any changing of the guard no. for quite a long time. I mean, if, you, if you look at Holyrood as an example, right, the top brass at Holyrood are Nicola Sturgeon and John Swinney. John Swinney was leader of the SNP 20 years ago. It's, yeah. it's a real generational move, I think. And I think one of the interesting things will be how he, you know, if it is Stephen Flynn, which it looks yeah. like it will be, how he makes his mark and how he uh, goes about changing things. There are talk today about changes he might make to the front bench in Westminster. I think any new leader coming in wants to make changes. They want to put their stamp on things. Mm -hmm. So that, having a look at that will be interesting. Uh, I think particularly if he, uh, as I think you were saying before we, before we started recording this, if there's moves to kind of 
streamline the front bench and maybe kind of reduce things a little bit. Because one of the things critics would say about the SNP in Westminster is there has been a feeling of them getting a bit stale. I think under Ian Blackford, you know, there's very much the same kind of technique done at PMQs every week, a lot of the same things kind of coming up. Ian Blackford is a competent performer at PMQs, but I don't think you'd ever say that he, you know, particularly has performances that are memorable or... I, there is just a sensation that things have got a bit tired. Maybe a bit of a shake-up wouldn't be a bad thing. The, the, the regular allegation from the likes of the Alba Party and, you know, more fundamentalist nationalists is that they're a bit too cosy. And Ian Blackford kind of represents that cosiness with the establishment. Well, he obviously loves Westminster. I mean, he's not shy of saying that. He doesn't enjoy the institution. He enjoys the debate. He enjoys being in the chamber. I think he has a lot of affection for it, which uh, is understandable for an MP. But uh, yeah, like you say, Alaba, he's not, not fans of that. Again, this is a, a continuation of that thought, but he's got good relationships with opposition MPs that some people within the independence movement view as beyond the pale. You know, this kind of idea that you shouldn't be working cross-party, you're only there to, you know, promote the the um, independence movement. Of course, that forgets that one Alex Salmond has many friends on the opposition benches. And, and Alex Salmond certainly enjoyed Westminster as well when he was there. Exactly. Even if he enjoyed causing trouble as well, he still enjoyed being there. But there's definitely, a, I think there's a case for the prosecution on whether or not the SNP have gotten used to being the size of the party that they are and not the kind of new upstarts taking on, you know, Labour and the Conservatives in in that third party role, which is a difficult party role. Um, someone was saying to us, you know, the Liberal Democrats had the same problem of being big but not huge and therefore having to know about everything and respond to everything. Um, and the SNP are in that position where they have to have an opinion on things that fundamentally the SNP don't really care about or that's not the reason why they're in, in Westminster. Um, so maybe Stephen Flynn comes in, shakes it up a bit. There's arguments within the nationalist, the, the SNP that you know you, you might want to make a, a bigger deal of the Supreme Court decision and of the route to independence. You know, there was a suggestion the other day that what they should have done after the Supreme Court judgment was when they, they had they had a weird number of MPs asking questions at FMQs, if you remember, after the Supreme Court. And one SNP figure said to me, you know, why didn't everybody stand up and ask the same question? And just go, what's the route to independent Scotland? <laughs> now, it's the sort of thing that theatrical, as, F, as PMQs is, would have made a splash and would have made a difference. But a lot of them brought up constituency issues. A lot of them brought up their own little pet projects or their own personal interests. And I think there's, there's an opportunity there for whoever, presumably Stephen Flynn, yeah. replaces Ian to, to, to deal with. I think they have a combined problem of, like you say, being a third party with all that entails, the frustrations that entails, but also being essentially, uh, when you get down to the crux of it, a single issue party. They're a collection of people who believe in the cause, Scottish independence, but it means that there's a, a collection of varied views within the same party and that can cause friction. I think that's what you've seen in the Westminster party. Uh, there's been lots of talk of kind of general unhappiness among certain SNP MPs. Certainly, if you believe insiders, that's not down to one particular core thing that everyone is, is, everyone is unhappy about one single issue. It's kind of a collection of things that have come together. You've got people like Joanna Cherry. It's very obvious what her disagreements are with the SNP leadership. You've maybe got more niche things. But essentially, it's frustrations that maybe feeling like they're down in Westminster, they're not maybe treated as a bit of an afterthought when it comes to the SNP as a whole and the SNP's leadership. The attention isn't always at Westminster. One of the routes forward for a Westminster leader will be trying to 
build momentum among that Westminster group while also accepting a situation where ultimately they want to they want to leave the institution. They don't want to be in with the bricks, which was always one of the criticisms that Ian Blackford had to contend with, that he was too, like you say, too comfortable. Too cosy indeed. And what, what do we think about, you know, you mentioned certain issues coming into the play. I mean, the big one that I think maybe accelerated this a bit further than some things would have been the, the handling of the Patrick Grady um, incident earlier in the year. For those who can't remember, feels like it was 10 years ago, but I think it was only about six months ago. Patrick Grady was obviously suspended for two days following a sexual misconduct allegation being he- upheld and a leaked recording of an SNP group meeting had Ian Blackford standing up saying, you know, we have to give our full support to, to, to Patrick. That had a significant kickback, not only for, for Ian um, Blackford, but also for Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a secret that uh, Nicola Sturgeon wasn't happy with how that played out. And certainly when you listen to that recording, it didn't sound great. Certainly if you were the alleged victim in those circumstances, you wouldn't be happy to hear that issue being talked about in that way. So it was like a really difficult moment for Ian Blackford, I think. I think there were a lot of concerns around that. I think there's obviously other things that have played a part in recent months. There's been a few votes in Westminster where discipline seems to have not been broken down, sorry, is maybe... A bit strong. A bit strong, but certainly the SNP in Westminster is always... Well, the, SM, the modern SNP in general is always known for its iron discipline. And there's been times recently where they've whipped MPs to vote a certain way and they haven't some of them haven't there's been kind of rebellions so I think there is as I say that kind of general sense of frustrations and certain issues just coming to a head and rumbling in the background maybe Ian Blackford just deciding that this is the time to go let's throw this even further forward Ian Blackford being considered by some as a potential successor to Nicola Sturgeon just because he's well known because he's a a familiar face that presumably no longer is the case I don't think he would be able to persuade the membership now he's stepped down as Westminster leader that's a big problem for the SNP now even more so than it was before if one of your options and one of your experienced options seems to have removed themselves from the front line well maybe I'm wrong but I don't know why that would stop him from being seen as a contender is that not I mean I suppose you've got the example of Alex Salmond back in the day but yeah I mean certainly if he's if he's removing himself from a frontline position for yeah I mean, he's moving into this new independence, you know, role, talking to businesses, which is a, I think, will be suits his background, you know, as a banker and working with businesses, you know, down to the ground. I think that's probably a very comfortable place for him to end up. But it does, it does feel like, you know, for example, Michael Michael Russell as well, you know, stepped down from frontline politics at the last election and has moved, remained within the SNP as SNP president, but you know, is working on the independence case, but isn't really pushing the case to be, to lead the SNP. Um, And it would feel like if you're going to step down from arguably the most high profile role after the first minister, then you're presumably, you know, vacating any possibility of becoming the first minister. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't have said he's necessarily vacating it, but I can see what you're saying. And it seems maybe less likely that he would. I mean, I'm not sure if he's so much of a likely candidate anyway. I mean, I think the next SNP leader, regular listeners, we know we've had this conversation so many times, it's, it's never obvious who it will be. No. But I think you need someone to kind of come in and inject new life into the project. And I'm not sure if he'd be the man to do that. And what, what do we think about the SNP in Westminster in general? Do you think that we're, they're doing enough? 
Just in general. Just in general. As I said earlier on, I think there has been a sense that they are tired. There's been a sense that, certainly under Ian Blackford's leadership, that they're slightly predictable. Uh, you don't want to get into a situation where you're just doing stunts for the sake of it. But at the same time, you do want to be making a splash in Westminster. It's difficult. They are, the, they are like you say, the third party. There's only so much they can really do within the kind of confines of Westminster politics. Um, and the focus will always be in Holyrood to some extent. That's where Nicola Sturgeon is. Mm -hmm. That's where the, the SNP are focused on. They're in government in Scotland. So I can see why some SNP MPs would feel like an afterthought down there. They certainly need new life injected into them. And I think a new leader will help them do that and help them kind of take them forward to whatever they want the next stage of this to be. And I think even if you have an independence campaign in the coming years, I mean, obviously Nicola Sturgeon has, has this plan to use the next general election as a de facto referendum. That implies that SNP MPs could play quite a big role in advancing that argument and advancing that campaign. So yeah, there is, there is a role for them. They just need to try and figure out what it is and they need someone who can be the driving force behind that. Yeah, and of course the other the other aspect to this that you know is maybe <laughs> a a difficult discussion to have for some MPs is that you know they're arguably risking their career. Well, they will be risking their career by going forward into a de facto referendum on the basis against you know a, a resurgent Labour Party. And um, one of Stephen Flynn's big challenges is going to have to be you know coming up against Keir Starmer not as a I, in, as a prime minister, but merely as a prime minister in waiting, you know that's that's actually quite a difficult role role to play. Um, I don't know. I'd, it's a problem for us talking about this is we don't watch Westminster to the same degree that we watch this place. We spend more time paying attention to the Holyrood Chamber than we do in Westminster. But do, do you think that Ian Blackford's had a had the measure of Keir Starmer, and do you think that Stephen Flynn would be able to match up to that, or do you think that Stephen Flynn's got an opportunity to, you know? present a, maybe a more modern and a more forward-thinking and Labour-friendly SNP? Uh, I mean, I think it's been interesting. I mean, like you say, I don't watch Westminster to anywhere near the same extent that I watch Holyrood just because so much of our focus is on up here. We've got Alexander Brown down in Westminster who's off at the moment. We wish him to get well, well soon. We do, very soon. Like now. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it has been interesting. I think this week's PMQs where Ian Blackford was kind of levelling attacks at Keir Starmer as well. I mean, usually for the SNP in Westminster, it's always been very easy to have the, kind of the Tories as the classic pantomime villain, uh, particularly under Boris Johnson. And was, that's where their, their kind of focus was in attacking the Tories. And you look at the number of press releases, from our point of view, that come through your email inbox every day, the number of them that are just directed towards, you know, standard attacks on the Conservatives is yeah. a huge number, or certainly has been. So I think having someone like Keir Starmer as a target is more difficult for them. It's easier to attack the Tories. They're not popular in Scotland. Certainly under Boris Johnson, he wasn't popular in Scotland. He is a very easy target. I don't think Keir Starmer is as easy a target. I think he does present problems with them. I think certainly he's a centre-left figure. They are also a centre-left party. But like you say, he's now seen as prime minister in waiting. So they are going to have to come up with ways to kind of combat that more effectively. And yeah, I'm sure Stephen Flynn, if, if he is the guy who's going to be taking over, will have that top of his mind. And we should, we should get, an, I, I assume, and we don't actually know the ins and outs of the machinations yet, trying to still understand how it all well, works. Think, yeah, like I say, still trying to nail this down. And by the time you listen to this, hopefully it we will be nailed down in the paper. <laughs> but uh, the AGM is on Tuesday. As far as I understand it, you can put yourself forward as a candidate if you have a proposer and a seconder. It's highly unlikely that there will actually be two candidates. I think there's certainly a perception that Stephen Flynn has broad support and the party's kind of coalescing around him. 
or the majority is. And I think even if there's two candidates, highly un extremely unlikely we'd have three. But I, as I understand it, they use a kind of STV proportional vote system and it's all done within the day. We're not going to have this kind of Tory leadership scenario where this just drags on for weeks or even months. And it's only within the MPs as well. It's not, it doesn't go to members. Yeah. So it's just at this AGM meeting. So it'll all be done and dusted on Tuesday and by Wednesday when the new SNP leader stands up in PMQs, we'll know who they are. And we assume that that PMQs will be the new leader. We don't know if Ian Blackford might be given a valedictory, yeah, yeah. you know, final final hoof. But we'll, we'll, we'll see that when that comes to it. That's all we've got time for this week due to the uh, news keeps happening today. It's quite frustrating to a degree. <laughs> but, um, thank you very much, Alistair, for joining us. And thank you very much at home for listening. And next week, there'll be a new SNP leader in Westminster. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. <laughs>